1: And we are live. I am John Pollock alongside Brandon Thurston for your post daily news show for Friday, February the 4th. We have a earnings report to dive into and we have the, the best man available to do so. He is Russell own a very busy Brandon Thurston coming off of one of his premium live events of the year. Brandon, welcome back to the post daily news update.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's that time of the year, the holiday that comes four times a year. There was a WWE earnings call yesterday.
1: Tell me a little bit about your process. Take me into the world of Brandon Thurston around 4:30 p.m. Eastern time when these reports are dropping. Because I don't know if everyone can appreciate the fact that this also coincides. With AEW ratings time on top of it. Yes. So tell me a little bit about, like, do you, do you have like a process in place of where you go? Because this is a lot of information that's all getting dumped and a lot of people are looking at you to kind of make sense of it all.
2: Yeah. So I took it easy on myself this time. I didn't plan on doing any live streams or anything, which is what I did last time. I tried to do two different live streams in succession while suddenly no one expected, well, at least. Most of us didn't expect talent to be released uh, at the same time on November 4th, the previous one. But, uh, yesterday, I don't, I don't know how it is in in Southern Ontario, but there's a lot of snow on the ground here in Buffalo. So I didn't have to go to to the day job yesterday. Um, I took a nap at like 1 PM, got back up around three or so. I don't know. And, uh, I got ready. I, uh, I have a, something on, on corporate.w.com that's doing a constant refresh every 30 seconds or so. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, there's, there's a moment there where I was like, I was getting everything ready. I was getting some spreadsheets ready because I was going to put the new numbers inside, like the, uh, the revenue chart that I was going to post. And I was like, Oh, it's four o'clock. Yeah. I got to do the, the dynamite rating. But yeah. That's a lot. Um, I got, I got dynamite quarter hours out there last night too, but, uh, it's, uh, the, the Thursday afternoons when the Diamond rating comes out, these days with the, or yesterday, those kinds of days with the earnings call, they're intense, but I, I don't know, I really enjoy them. Um, unless I make a mistake and then I'm swearing at myself, but otherwise, it's, it's, it's intense and fun, isn't it?
1: We're going to get into, uh, all of the, uh, the details of the report. I am seeing some comments, Brandon, if maybe you can, uh, increase your audio a, a bit. It sounds like you are coming in a, a bit lower than myself, but we will, uh, crank it. Should be a little at, bit louder now. That's, that's coming in, uh, pretty, pretty good on, on this end. So, uh, okay. hopefully that is reflected, but, um, yeah, we can, we can just dive right into this and, uh, not to make this a, uh, a, a pat on your back moment, Brandon, but, uh, you, your, analysis going into this uh this earnings report uh when it comes to the earnings per share, the revenue projection, I mean you were uh you were pretty on point here in in a lot of uh different categories. We knew that this was going to be uh the most profitable, the most revenue for the WWE in their entire history um of some of like the the larger takeaway figures. Were there any surprises uh that that came your way on Thursday? I expected live events to
2: post a loss in operating income which Basically means their, their live event business, that isolated part of their business, would not be profitable, but it was. I was expecting something like an $8 million loss, but they made, I think the operating income was $1.4 million. Uh, average ticket price was better than I thought. I was pretty close on average attendance, though. The average ticket price um, is about $63 now. And one, one thing that we're seeing here is uh, a lot of their consumer metrics normalize after we haven't really had a full quarter. Uh, we've had a couple of an- anomalies in, the, in Q2 with ticket price. That's just the WrestleMania quarter that had nothing but WrestleMania in it. And then Q3 was not a full quarter, and it was really benefiting from pent-up demand. So I don't think that was reflective of what, uh, what, what the future would be like if I'm trying to make estimates. Which I am, but uh, now I was pretty close. So, so the analysts do EPS. So I try to play the game with them and, and do EPS. What's EPS? Earnings per share ratio, which is basically just a, a number determined by the net income, which is sort of the final form of profit. You divide all all the net income by all of the diluted shares. Uh, the the uh, EPS was, I believe, seventy cents. I thought it was going to be sixty eight, but the Analysts, uh, the consensus, the, the average analyst was at 52 cents. So they really beat on earnings. They did on the previous quarter too. And they did on the quarter before that. So they've be- beaten on earnings a number of times in a row. This time though, I don't think the stock has reacted as strongly as it is today, or it's up by about 10% last time I looked. Um, it wasn't really up in, in after hours trading yesterday when I thought maybe it would be, but it didn't really budge. But this morning it was way up. Um, I don't know why it didn't react immediately or and, and why it's waited until this morning to react. Um, I've seen two, two stock analyst reports so far. Uh, JP Morgan downgraded their price target from, I, th- I just tweeted it from the Russell Nomics account, from, from 62 to 58. It's trading at 52 right now. Last I looked. Uh, North Coast, uh, posted what I think is a positive uh report i haven't read it completely but um it's it's a good day for them at least in, in terms of their stock is up they they set a new revenue record they surpassed 1 billion dollars in a year for the first time they posted 180 million dollars in net income and they're going to break that record again next year you know we've been saying this for a few years now and it's largely driven by the contractually increasing rights fees most importantly, in the U.S. for Raw SmackDown, NBC Universal and Fox, uh, that's that's contracts going through September 2024. So they're going to continue to get these increases, regardless of what their ratings are. Um, and, and SmackDown ratings have been okay. Raw ratings, we'll see. We're still getting a sample here, just after the end of football season. But uh, a positive, a positive earnings call for them.
1: I I think what you took away as well, like from from the Q&A portion is I think you have to be left with tons of optimism that they put out for you. It was not just, okay, we hit the, we hit these benchmarks, maybe over delivered for, for some out there. But on top of it, it's not just this idea of waiting for these rights fees in 2024. Nick Khan made it very clear about uh, the continuing licensing of the WWE Network to look for those very soon. How I mean, you could not have a guy paint a more uh, pleasant picture when it comes to these replay rights of comparing it to how confident we felt for the last set of television negotiations and the network deal with Peacock and maybe the most. Important six words that that some of these analysts took away, Brandon. Why just limit it to two?
2: Yes. What do you think about that? Uh, well, that was in the context of uh, the Wells Fargo analyst Stephen kahal was asking. You kind of just trying to get confirmation that there were going to be two Saudi Arabia events, or excuse me, large scale international events in 2022, uh, and they confirmed that there would be. I, that's not really any question to me that there that there will be. And and then Nick Khan added. Why well, just limited it to t- now they didn't say Saudi Arabia specifically. They were using their, their favorite euphemism. Yes. Large scale international live
1: event. event. Yes.
2: Uh, it's been hinted to me that they're not referring to Saudi Arabia there. I would guess, I mean, think about 2018 when they went to Australia for that stadium event. Um, that was the first super showdown, right? And then they reused that name for future Saudi events. I don't remember, but right. Yeah. Um, it's
1: been, they, they've overlapped with the, uh, the super showdown, uh, branding, um, yeah. yeah, I would be it, surprised if it's something if
2: it's a third event. I mean, I ex- expect that they will announce some sort of third big international event. I would be surprised if it's another event that's worth fifty million dollars, like the Saudi events are, though.
1: Yeah, um, we we do have you know from the pandemic there are like two outstanding shows that are owed to Saudi Arabia that I guess we were under the impression those get tacked on at the end. Um, mm-hmm. But but certainly if you can get creative, I mean that that's a that's a significant increase if you could uh, slot those somewhere else but i am sure they're looking at this model for saudi arabia and if we can get anywhere close to that in some of these other regions i mean they are aggressively going to go towards that
2: yes yeah, so what, what other autocratic regimes need, need our uh, entertainment broadcasts of the
1: world yeah um as well we got uh, premium live event uh viewership so these are not so much viewership uh stats that we get um but rather percentage increases that were uh, compared to their their 2009 uh, comparison points back when there were were crowds, uh, excluding the 2020 shows. I think we can certainly come to the conclusion that probably more people than ever are watching these these pay per view slash premium live events. Um, but but at the same time, you're you're also on a, on a platform that is accessible to a whole lot more people than were the WWE Network or that were buying their their pay per views back in that particular era. But at least painting that a lot of eyes are on these shows than ever before.
2: Yeah, these these are, these are uh, like you said. There more people are watching these peak monthly events than ever. Uh, as much as when when I do my show, or maybe you guys do your your show. We were talking about you know some of the problems with creative, and you would think that would be turning fans away, at least in, in some measures it, it is, and certain, if you, certainly if you go back enough years to 2016 and forward and look at a number of consumer metrics, especially when you're talking about asking people to spend money as opposed to watching something in their homes, uh, you do see a lot of decline. But in, in the case of Peacock, Money in the Bank, up 25%. SummerSlam, up 30%. Extreme Rules, up 20%. The Saudi event in October, 75% higher than one of their 2019 events there. Survivor Series, up 25%. Royal Rumble this year, 45% higher than the Royal Rumble in 2020, which did have fans. Um, some more people are watching than ever because there's uh, Comcast had their earnings report uh, earlier this week or no a week ago. Something Last like week? that. Last week, yeah. And, and they reported nine million subscribers, plus another seven million who have it as part of their Comcast subscription. Se- their
1: seven million subscription. engaged, uh, highly was, engaged. Yeah, they they highly pulled engaged. all of them. They're all they all said yes. Engaged engagement is high uh, from my yes. my free vantage point. Yes.
2: Well, they probably have data. Hopefully, they're being honest and forthright. But uh, yeah, it's it's. It's like, imagine putting it on a channel that just has more subscribers, but it's, it's a lot more than let's say all of the W network subscribers, in the United States were watching, uh, any given pay-per-view the highest that could ever be is 1.3 million for the 2018 WrestleMania. Uh, but at the end it had 1.1. So it's not tripling you know they've they've get, they say they've got 3.5 million paid Peacock subscribers who have watched WB content since the move in March could mean they watched 1 second of content we don't know but uh, a lot of people are watching it uh because it's it's a higher reach platform than a direct consumer service that's only for WB
1: yes and i i think at the same time when you are looking at all of these players that are trying to establish you know, their streaming service and and somewhat pl- play catch up to, to others. It, it makes a WWE, you know, very desirable if they can bring a fan base over and it's, and it's one that, you know, they present themselves as very attractive to, to a peacock as they're attempting to, to grow this. And if, and if you go by kind of Nick Khan's forecast of t- some of the kind of acquisitions that they expect that trend to continue, it's, it's only going to benefit these, these content creators. And that's, Kind of the the role that they are placing themselves in to just extract as much money as possible for all these, these different emerging tech companies, media companies that are trying to find these eyeballs. Yeah, so Nick
2: Khan's opening statements, he gave his usual seminar on the media business, highlighting all the mergers and acquisitions. And other things that he expects to happen: Discovery Warner Media, he even noted that SeaWorld and, and Cedar Fair, which I guess is the Cedar Point company. Yeah, I he, wasn't aware about the like merger. the theme
1: park acquisitions that are out there. I guess that's a very um
2: yes. you know uh, intense and game. He highlighted, of- yeah, and he highlighted the, the Microsoft acquisition of Activision, uh, Take Two, which which is the parent company of 2K. They acquired Zynga and, and a number of others. Um, Brandon Ross the light shed analyst asked him a question in Q and a basically saying that, are you, you, are strategic about what your comments are kind of asking <laughs> him, are, are you bringing this up because you want to do M and a, uh, I, I, I'm still in love the mindset that W is not looking to be acquired and will not be acquired during the lifetime of Vince McMahon, at least as long as he's healthy. Uh, so, I mean, NBCU would be the mo- one that makes the most sense. Um, I could see Nikon selling WB to CAA. I don't know if CAA is, is, has the money for that. I have to look into that. But look at who owns UFC. Uh, Endeavor does, an, an, a talent agency. Uh, but uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's looking to sell but that was an interesting exchange. He also uh, told Brandon Ross that he would have a special pile driver ready for him at WrestleMania
1: if he attends. Yes. So which, which no one picked up on the fact that it looks like this was uh, the unbanning of the pile driver in WWE.
2: Yeah. He's Vince is going to have to have a talk with him about uh, which, which moves are okay and not.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was, a. Uh, th- this might've been the most, uh, like Vince McMahon, it's, it's a cam- cameo appearance on these calls, but I don't know if we ever got one as much as, a. Uh, we reimagine our business almost every month. I'm sure some in creative would say he reimagines this company every hour. Uh, and then it was a Nick, take it away. I'm take out of away. here. That was it.
2: I, I, I just noted from the transcript, uh, we, we reimagine our business every month. If not every week around here, like, yeah, yeah,
1: you, you, tear up the, <laughs> no one's gonna there deny right going to deny that. That is confirmed. That is confirmed. The man is constantly reimagining things up until the last minute. Lots of reimagination, uh, that, that yeah. is going on. We definitely get the impression
2: that Vince is from his lack of comments on the calls that he's not that engaged in strategy. I mean, I'm Vince, the legend around Vince is that he works night and day and he never sleeps. And I'm sure he's doing a lot, but. He really leaves it to Nick Khan, who by a, everyone has the impression from Nick, Khan, from Nick Khan that he's like this this sort of visionary who really really understands the media business. So sh- so sure he should talk a lot. It, it it's conspicuous though. I, it, it it suggests to me that Vince just really really defers to this guy and really trusts him. So yeah, and he's the one making making these deals and giving them multiples on on their their previous deals
1: uh Stephanie McMahon focused on the uh, kind of the advertising and sponsorship uh section of the company and uh it, it grew it was just over about seventy one million dollars for for the year and seems to be like very very optimistic that this could be uh an area of significant growth for the company into the hundreds of millions of dollars in years to come with you know a lot of the examples that we have seen in recent uh months with the tie-ins with jackass forever and uh Red notice on, on Netflix, but, uh, most of all, it was the, uh, we want pizza chant that was, uh, conveyed for all of the, the analysts there from Stephanie McMahon as well, uh, as she was going through her presentation.
2: Yes. The Pizza Hut Battle Royal was, was highlighted, which, uh, you know, everyone loves the Pizza Hut Battle Royal, at least on the earnings call. Best Uh, Pizza Pizza Hut Battle Battle Royal I've ever seen. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the golden egg, I'm surprised the golden egg did not, was not celebrated more. The golden egg did coincide with, uh, Raw doing a pretty good rating the following night after Survivor Series, maybe because of the, the storyline of the mystery around the golden egg, uh, you know, who stole it. Um, but yeah, she, she's talking about, this was brought up in Q&A too, that they think that they can make a hundred million dollars. What I take that to mean is in a year in this advertising and sponsorship line in their media division. So a hundred million dollars a year. What did, what did it do in 2021? It did 71 and a half million dollars. So, so we're talking about you know, an additional $30 million or so, uh, the narrative with analysts. And it's not something that I have, feel like I have a tight grip on, but something that's been brought up by multiple analysts is that they think that W is under monetized when it comes to ads and sponsors, uh, I imagine that that ties to the perception around pro wrestling and that pro wrestling has always had issues trying to get valuable sponsors and, and increase its ad rates. So that's something that, that they like to talk about. And that's, that's totally Stephanie McMahon's, uh, her, her area. Uh, what's also included in that is YouTube. Uh, I would imagine it's the single biggest piece of that line. Uh, it's probably something like twenty or thirty million dollars, probably on the high end of that now. U- YouTube just reported the other day that their their ad revenue ec- exceeded Netflix's subscriber revenue, uh, so that's a huge business. We're, we're broadcasting on YouTube right now. We're monetizing through YouTube, uh, but their YouTube views were down. Well, their their AVOD was down. Their ad mm-hmm. supported video on demand, which combines YouTube, combines Facebook, and a number of other social media platforms. Uh, and they p- called it out on the KPI slides saying that, well, they uh, they took a lot of full matches off of YouTube and Facebook. Uh, and I think there's some- something else that was mentioned in, in the call-out label, too. But if you, I, I, I do see that in Social Blade data. Social Blade is this website that has a lot of social media data, including YouTube view data. And it's something that I've analyzed. It's, it's in the, the new uh, industry report that I put out that their YouTube views were down year over year, um, by something like, let's see, they did 15 billion in 2020 and they did 12.2 billion in 2021. That's still better than 2019. Maybe there's a a pandemic effect on 2020 that with people indoors more, uh, staying inside, maybe there were more people, uh, engaging on YouTube. We saw that in, uh, your online merchandise sales, too, which is astonishing to me, uh, but I guess that's another story, but yeah y- YouTube was down um, even even when you add in all the other non youtube video platforms
1: yeah, um you know the, yeah, they mentioned like the removal of full matches and not doing well, we should say a a main roster. Premium live event in December. They did do the war game special, yes. but I guess obviously that's going to have a lot less traction than even even a, a B or C level uh, WWE. Which, given the
2: growth that they've seen sequentially in in that slide, I, I don't really buy that not doing one premium live event in December uh, accounts for a, a big loss in YouTube views. And and as far as taking full matches off, they're still posting new full matches, so I'm not sure what. What they took down, uh, I would be curious to know what the story is behind what what they're referring to there. Maybe they took some full matches in the archive down,
1: yeah. uh, to a piece which you wouldn't think are. But- I mean, like I, I wouldn't really know what kind of the data is, but I know like you you've gone through a lot and have kind of talked about the idea that you know you, you're going to get the lion's share of your views in those first like that first immediate release of your. I, I don't know how much you know taking a full WrestleMania match that was posted two years ago down. Uh, is going to have such an enormous effect, but maybe a cumulative effect when you're talking, you know, a wide range of videos that apparently were taken down.
2: Well, in in WE's case, and I've been trying to track the YouTube data uh, more than ever here, and in WE's case, about 30%, so I'm, I'm looking at a chart right now, looking at what I think is the last seven days, so a given period of time assuming this is representative of what's normal, 30% of their views are of content that has been posted in the last seven days, 30%. So, so the other 70% is what we might call archival content, older content. So they, they are getting a ton of their views from stuff that hasn't been posted in the last seven days. S- some of that's full matches, but uh, it, it's hard to break down.
0: This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.
1: Um we could also uh look a bit more at the uh the Q&A and you know uh, again we we brought this up earlier but the uh the second day rights for Raw and Smackdown I guess in the immediate future that that's one that they have you know it's it seems like Nikon feels very, very confident about their, their position here and that this will be, you know, one of their eh, pretty sizable deals. I would imagine for 2022, along with these, the continuing strategy with, with the network internationally.
2: Yeah. So the, the Hulu rights, which are being referred to as raw rights. And I was like, there's SmackDown on Hulu too. And I, I've looked, I just looked at Hulu and I was like, yeah, they have SmackDown on there too. So I don't know why they're just referring to them as raw rights, but, uh, That deal, it's, we don't know what that deal is really worth. I would guess it's worth something under 10 million, maybe well under 10 million, but there's a pretty good chance that they're going to multiply that, I would guess. Uh, they're hyping and it makes sense that there's a lot more interest in these next day rights to Raw, SmackDown, NXT, main event, than there was when those rights were dealt the last time. I'm not sure when they were dealt the last time. I think it's 2016 when there were far fewer streaming players. Now we've got all these linear TV networks that have gotten into streaming. I thought it was curious that in his opening remarks where he's talking about the value of live sports on streaming, where he's talking about things like, hey, look at look at the Premier League and the deal that they made with NBCU. It's a 2.7x increase. But the biggest piece of that is going to be streaming, presumably those games going on to Peacock. Um, and he called out, these streaming platforms in particular, when talking about, they said Amazon Peacock, Paramount Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu have spent billions over the past year to bring top tier rights to their services. I wonder if they're, they're having at least conversations with all of those, uh, Paramount Plus is not one that has come to mind for me for next day rights. That is, that is the Viacom CBS owned Paramount Plus, uh, I've, I've speculated Amazon peacock would make the most sense because that would just close the window right now. You can watch the latest episodes of Ron Smackdown three days after they air, but, uh, putting that onto peacock would close the window. Um, I've speculated maybe even Netflix, how exciting would it be for the investors as they made a deal with Netflix? And you can make the argument to, to investors or to, to Netflix that, you know, Netflix, you're not sure if you want to get into live sports, uh, I, I've argued that you know, pro wrestling in many ways uh, shows that it is this sort of overlap between sports and scripted entertainment. We see that in a number of ways in the way that the economics perform, whether that's like DVR viewership, uh, the the attrition on TV ratings, and maybe this is a way for somebody like a Netflix to experiment into whether or not they want to pursue more sports rights in the future. This isn't a huge expensive commitment for you. Netflix it's it's next day rights. It's not live, but maybe you experiment with that and see how it it fits for you. But, uh, that seems less likely than maybe, uh, Hulu keeping it or Peacock, or maybe even Amazon or ESPN.
1: Uh, any strong impressions about, uh, Newly installed CFO Frank Riddick, who got to have uh, his own presentation and was part of the Q and A as well. This is probably the most we've heard from Frank Riddick on a call.
2: Yeah, no, I, I don't know. He, uh, he went over the, the slides, uh, that, that are very, very dry financial slides. This it was is a fabulous. very
1: mechanical presentation of <laughs> numbers yeah. and stats. And it's, uh, it is yeah. a, it is a, a talent to be able to, uh, per- convey this in regular language and in an entertaining manner too.
2: Yes. Now the, the, the line that I've heard is, you know, Frank Riddick is a, is a Vince guy. He's been on the board of directors. He's not exactly new to W. He's been on the board of directors mm. for a long time. He might be the most tenured member of the board of directors, but he's not, he's no longer on the board of directors now, I believe since he took the permanent CFO job. He was the interim CFO in the time between Barrios, uh, George Barrios and Christina Salen. But, uh, no, I, I didn't think there was much much to take on uh, on Frank Riddick. I did notice he has a a big high res uh, promo photo that was oh. in the uh, in the streamcast window, so I'll have to catch up with that for when, when we put uh, Frank Riddick's face on, on our slides. Uh,
1: he, he did. Uh, I think this was like the last question answered, noting about the, the Peacock deal that it is, you know, a fixed amount of revenue, but there is an opportunity for more sponsorship money, but it's not tied to viewership. So at least giving us uh, a little bit more on the uh, on the on the Peacock deal there that it's uh, I guess there is more money to be made. But I guess no viewership markers that they have to hit to potentially add to that deal. Uh,
2: I mean, anything I think they're sharing ad revenue with with NBCU on Peacock, too. So there's there's that sort of flexibility if they had a, a especially high, highly viewed uh, PLE on, on, on Peacock. I would imagine that they would take in a little bit more revenue
1: because of that. Uh, now, while most fans are awaiting the, uh, the release of the, the 2K game next month, I know you were more so counting down until the release of the 10K, uh, which came out on Thursday evening as well. Yes. Uh, have you had a chance to, uh, peruse this, uh, I believe 121 page document? Is there any, any, uh, hidden Easter eggs in there? I know that the, uh, the MLW lawsuit got, uh, thrown in there. There's always, there's Eight always days. several, several interesting nuggets if you have the time to, uh, at least skim through the uh, 10K. Yeah, the MLW lawsuit is mentioned in there. I was skeptical that it would show
2: up because I, I figure it's a sort of, in a worst case scenario, it's sort of a low value lawsuit relative to WE scale. But it is mentioned in there right alongside the other lawsuits that have been there for a long time, including mm-hmm. the class action shareholder lawsuit related to the MENA TV deal and the concussion lawsuit that's still, still appearing in there, uh, their, that, that legal section of, of the annual report. But they, they always update the number of employees that they have, full time employees, which is, 870 which is down from approximately 900 uh the year before which makes sense given all of the layoffs uh that they've made and consolidation that they've done uh at the corporate level and the number of talent that they have under contract 250 or nearly 250 down from nearly 300 in the previous year which is not a surprise given how many wrestlers were cut uh over over the year uh and I think those are numbers as, as of February, at least the employee one is. But no no talent releases that I've heard of yet. Uh, but yeah, a lot fewer wrestlers. Um, they had too many wrestlers for a long time. But yeah.
1: Do you think that they are at now kind of their their manageable level? Do you think that there is, you know, a... a, a not so much like a, a set figure, but certainly it got to a, a bulk number that they obviously want to come down from. Um, but I, I would say like, if you were a talent there, I, th- I think it has certainly changed just the culture in that this was not just like a one time a year series of cuts that were brought back. It was just constant that I am sure that's always in the back of your mind about like, what is that, that number that they reach that there could always be one of those, you know, mass series of cuts and it's not going to be just limited to one time of the year. It can happen anytime.
2: Yeah. Will there be more? I don't know. The, the big thing that increased the number of talent that they have in our contract is when they s- split the brands, they split the rosters between raw and SmackDown in 2016 and then opening the, the, NXT UK, uh, performance center and, uh, and that brand. It's curious that I don't, I don't think there's been anybody from NXT UK who's been in, in these releases. I wonder if there's something in the labor laws that in, in the UK that, that those talent there are subject to that makes it harder to release them. Um, but, uh, it, it crossed my mind, especially with the news about, uh, you know, Jake Paul going after UFC for, you know, underpaying their fighters NWE yesterday reporting it's most profitable year ever again, probably going to report another most profitable year ever in 2022 that I, I did some, some really quick math and, and said, you know, I, I think UFC, according to the New York, New York post in 2020, UFC fighters are getting 16% of the UFC revenue. You know, you've got Jake Paul trying to be an activist investor uh, of Endeavor to, to, to try to drive change here. But that, if if we assume, and I think this is probably aggressive, if we assume the average wrestler in WWE is getting a half a million dollars a year, and I think that's aggressive because of the number of developmental wrestlers who would drag that average down, say half a million times 250 wrestlers, that gets us to 125 million which would be 11% of W's revenue, uh, not to mention that they're paying their own travel expenses and there's no routine healthcare coverage or retirement benefits. Um, and, you, you know, and, that, I, and that's so
1: much of the growth, Brandon, is also, like, they constantly, it's just this extraordinary IP that we have. This IP is yeah. the, these wrestlers that um, are, like, the subject of where they can expand. Like, if, yeah. if their NFT market soars i mean it is going like that is all tied to these wrestlers that that is a huge part of their their growth and we just don't hear a whole lot about like the trickle down here or whether whether talent is entitled to to any of these revenues in these new emerging markets will they be included in the emerging metaverse
2: yes it's uh how much talent are being paid is a media story or a wrestling fan story. It's not so much an investor story. We're not hearing financial analysts ask about it. Um, And it's not, if you're a W investor, it's not, you don't, you're not economically incentivized probably to want to see wrestlers get paid more because that means W becomes less profitable. Uh, But it it does, uh, you know, and then there's a report from Fightful yesterday that uh, W talent morale is pretty low, at least among some. Uh, probably not low enough to unionize, but, uh, th- th- that's, what's happening there.
1: It, it, it's very similar to UFC and MMA. There will be discontent, but I'm just, I'm not holding my breath that there is going to be any, any significant actions, at least among the fighters or, or wrestlers, uh, in that department, uh, f- final thing here. I do want to touch upon the, uh, the dynamite numbers from Wednesday night, but, uh, just, just listen to the Q and a, was there anything, um, you were kind of, uh, listening for yourself that maybe was uh, not brought up or any questions you had coming out of the Q&A from any of the topics that were brought up by the analysts?
2: Sure. I have a few things. So the product licensing revenue, which the biggest pieces of that are action figures through Mattel and, and video games, console and mobile video games, that was up to $52 million in 2022 after that line had been in annual decline since 2017. I would think that's at least partly driven by the new deals that they've made. And I think this is this is one of the areas where Nick Khan is positioned to help them with incremental revenue growth. This isn't media rights, but it's uh, the things that uh, they've announced recently, which maybe are not even being recognized as revenue yet, but the lottery tickets, the scratch-off lottery tickets, the NFT marketplace that's coming up, the Panini trading card deal that they just made because I think they just left they just leave tops. I think they left, they left their other trading card partner. Uh, they just extended with Mattel. So that line of revenue has really recovered. Um, Nikon referred to 12, more than 12, I said over a dozen scripted and unscripted projects based on our IP. Uh, some media projects programming that's coming up. Uh, we'll see. I always think of, you know, the Lex Luger documentary and the, the Vlad, the super fan documentary that we're supposed to air on,
1: Yeah. They're just sitting
2: there. It sounds like never did. So maybe it's things like that, that are in store there. Um, the NIL talent development strategy just did come up. Um, Stephanie, they had already talked about it in the opening statements, but, uh, Stephanie put it over as a recruiting tool, talking about how few college athletes really make it to the NFL or the NBA. And that leaves a lot of really talented athletes behind. And Nick, Khan chimed in talking about, Hey, look at the examples of Roman Reigns and Goldberg and Biggie, uh, and the rock as examples of college athletes, uh, who, who were turned into major wrestling stars. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, had a moment watching the men's Royal rumble there. I know the men's Royal rumble had, uh, other issues surrounding Shane McMahon, apparently, but, uh, a moment there where you had madcap Moss and Baron Corbin, you know, on the scene and it, it looked a like a pretty dire, uh, future of, of WWE and the, and the NIL program. I'm sure they'll find a lot of talented athletes. Um, but I, I really wonder if doubling down on athletes who don't have any wrestling experience, like they'll probably still leave a, a, wit, you know, a door open for wrestlers with wrestling experience to do tryouts and maybe get signed. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, It's about giving Vince the talent that he'll be more likely to get behind. Um but nobody can say that part out loud. It's about, you know, it's about capturing people who are more like Roman Reigns and Bill Goldberg. Uh
1: but as they say, cards subject to reimagination. So uh we will touch uh briefly upon uh Wednesday's numbers because these were uh uh, c- certainly uh, of interest because it was a big promoted match on Wednesday night in Chicago, uh, about 45 minutes uh, on the back half of the show dedicated to CM Punk and MJF in Punk's hometown. Uh, they did 954,000 viewers, a 0.35 in the demo, you noting 456,000 viewers. So these would be uh, their lowest numbers on TBS. And you had also uh, included the the quarter hour breakdown. And I mean, it was still the third night, the third Number three position among cable originals on Wednesday. It's not, um, it's not a deflating number, but I would say given the stature of this match and how it was promoted, um, uh, somewhat disappointing that they, that they dropped to such an extent this week.
2: Yeah. It, I'll be interested to see what the Big Bang Theory number was that was leading Ooh. into this. They started off with, so Q1 had, Almost 1.1 million viewers in it.
0: Uh, the Utah effect,
2: the Wheeler Utah effect. Um, but it had John Moxley in there, who's who's one of their their top personalities. Um, I, I I wonder if we'll start to see. And you know, the thing about the Big Bang Theory is it's a rerun, so Showbiz Daily doesn't report that. But there is a, a website called RatingsRyan that will report on on a pretty big delay like a week later, maybe uh, we will get some big bang theory data. So we'll know what that show did. I wonder if this, this show is really going to be experiencing some ebbs and flows relative to how well the big bang theory happens to do at seven thirty. 30. Um, I like, I don't, I don't see a pattern in this, in these quarter hours that were like people tuned out. You had mm-hmm. a strong Q one, which is what's been happening uh, since they've been on TBS because of the lead in from big bang theory. Uh, for the punk and m j f match, now you could argue that people didn't didn 't show up and didn 't tune in, in in a number over a million viewers. It started at nine hundred thousand went up to nine hundred uh, and fifty it, and about half of that is is in the demo um, but yeah, this was by far the lowest number uh, on tBS the lowest since december fifteenth it, it looks more like a um, a tNT number
1: and it was also like male viewership like that was seemed to be the big decrease in 18 to 49 and 18 to 34 and this just seemed um you know this this match between punk and mjf uh almost seemed like like a love letter at, at times to uh fans of uh ROH of the mid 2000s as well in certain spots as well
2: yes the pepsi plunge off the top rope
1: yes well, um coming up tonight, we've got uh, SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, Way and I will be live tonight at 11.15 p.m. Eastern Time for all patrons to go through both of those shows. Uh, but coming up this weekend, we have WrestleNomics Radio with Brandon and Chris. And I do want to give you uh, a chance, Brandon, to uh, let everybody know about the 2021 Wrestling Industry Report that you dropped this week. Um An extensive, an exhaustive breakdown of the entire professional wrestling business for 2021 uh that is available to your patrons or those that want to support uh through Payhip. but this is uh an invaluable resource i would say for people in the industry and for those following it yeah
2: it's uh you get access to it if you're a patron patreon.com slash wrestlenomics for the five dollar a month uh subscription or for 5.99 through Payhip. um so i've been doing this this is the third year in a row that i've been doing this and it consumes my my january every year so far <laughs> uh but yeah we, we we time it so that it's it's coming out in this week when there's the w annual report coming out uh what i think people will find particularly interesting uh wrestling fans is everyone wants to know what what aw is really making i've got uh revenue estimates in 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 detail for what i think aw is making in 2020 and 2021 uh something like $84 million in 2021. And we just, we just talked about what WWE makes. That's mm-hmm. 1.1 1, 1 billion. So less than a 10th of what WWE makes. Um, but there's a ton of charts, uh, 71 slides. There's a ton of charts on Google web search on ticket sales, on TV ratings across all the various demographics throughout the full year. Um, YouTube views over the years, uh, what What we know about the financial state of of at least the three major companies WB, AW and new japan uh and some commentary at the end about what i think about the outlook of w and a w s media rights
1: fees I encourage everyone to uh to check that out it's uh it's a must read. I think for anyone that wants to have a deeper understanding of the industry. Uh, we also had two super chats here. Uh, one, just a super sticker sent from the Louie guy. Thank you very much, Louie, for passing along a super sticker, not to be confused with regular stickers out there. And a question from Jamie Stalker. Do you think that the budget cuts brought the 950,000 to make it to a billion? Was that the aim? Just to get to a billion? Was this, was this the deep seated strategy? Brandon, behind all of these uh, cuts to just get us get us to 10 figures of annual revenue?
2: Well, I think the talent cuts that they made, a lot of them in, in NXT, some of the main rosters, probably some big ones like Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. Um, but I, I don't think the talent cuts made, the, I think they still reach a billion uh, without those talent cuts. I mean, think about, a lot of them, like they say the November 4th talent cuts, they all, well, not all of them. Some of them had 30 day non-competes where they were still paid. And some of them had 90 day non-competes. So their, their payments were not even off the books. Some of them before the end of the year, um, it helps, but I think they, they still make it to a billion in the year. Maybe there is an overall strategy to cut costs to help them reach the, the target of a billion in revenue. Uh, and there were, Costs cut on the employee side too. Um, in the, in the spring, uh, when the television, W Studios and Advanced Media Group were consolidated, something like more than sixty employees were laid off. So that helps. That helps cut costs too.
1: Well, Brandon, I want to thank you uh, so much for uh, taking some time out to uh, break down the whole uh, year-end earnings report. Uh, you can catch all of his coverage at WrestleNomics.com and, of course, WrestleNomics Radio, part of the Post Wrestling Network. A new show will be out Sunday with Brandon and Chris as they will be, I'm sure, diving more into all of the figures presented on Thursday and the year ahead for WWE, who after after another year, they have uh, they have made it past the finish mark. They're going to make it, Brandon. They are going to be okay. As they
2: They've made sur- enough money to survive for another year. Yeah, on Sunday with Chris Gullo, I, I imagine we'll be going through some audio clips from the call and uh, discussing them in detail. I look
1: forward to it. That is it for us. Once again, we're back tonight with Rewind to SmackDown, live at 1115 Eastern for all members at PostWrestlingCafe.com. And that is going to wrap it up for another edition of the Post Daily